0: Look at this passage in 2 Corinthians. I uh, I want to speak to you this evening on the subject of the new position of of the new creature. The new position of the new creature. And uh, I want you to notice, if you will, look in verse 15 and 16. And there's a word that appears three times in those two verses, and that's the word henceforth. And uh, that word is, means from this point forward, from now and going forward, hence, which is here, forth, going forward. And uh, this passage deals with God's people as new creatures. Good Bible conversation with someone this afternoon, and we were talking about some of the things about grace and what it means and how grace is manifested or made real in people's lives in the works that they do. This verse we have here behind me often, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. What's the purpose of it? Glorify your Father which is in heaven. And so our works, what we're doing, helps people to glorify God if they can see God's actually working in our life. Of course, I just dealt with this in a recent message when I taught you out of the Book of James when it said that uh, faith without works is dead, even as the body without the spirit is dead. And uh, living faith in a living God produces a difference in our living, and uh, God God wants to show Himself through our lives. And so, the subject tonight of uh, the new position of the new creature. I want to give you some things with this and. Uh, I had something I found. I'm going to pull out here. That just that uh, I'm going to get it exactly as I researched it and found it. And we'll use this in just a moment. I uh, made the mistake opening the front of my Bible. Any of you all do that? You use your Bible as a filing cabinet too? And That's dangerous to do when you're up at the platform. All right, there we go. But the, um, I want you to look at this passage and, and help you out with it and understand something about our Christian life because of it. In verse 14, it says, For the love of Christ constraineth us. In other words, it, 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 it brings us in. It, it, uh, it hedges us in. Not in the sense of it, you know, like choking you, but it's the idea of it brings us to a focus. It constrains or it compels us. Uh, you know, I feel constrained to say something about something. That means I, I feel that I'm compelled to do that. I feel like this is something I need to do. And it's the love of Christ that constrains us. Um, The love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge. We got something figured out. And what we figure, what we judge, that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And so we come to a realization about everyone has the same need. And... uh, There's no one that is so righteous in their living that they could stand before a holy God and withstand His scrutiny. And so Christ gave Himself on behalf of all of us. The Bible says we thus judge if one died for all, then we're all dead. In other words, everything was being dealt with at that one time with that. And then it goes on down to say why that happened. Verse 15, and that He died for all Why? That they which live should not henceforth, from this point forward, should not henceforth live unto themselves. Now, in my Bible, I've marked those two words unto themselves. I actually have a little thing there, uh, not live unto themselves. And they should not live unto themselves. Well, you think about it, you say, what does that mean? Does it mean you don't take care of yourself? No, that wouldn't at all be the context. What does that mean? That means you don't ever enjoy anything you do? No. It's not the context. Not the context of the Scripture. But living unto yourselves is a self-absorbed type living. Um, I still remember an event that happened years ago at the Frisch's restaurant. My wife had been through a pretty tough little spell of time there. She had just got back her Mom had a a very severe uh, case of diverticulitis. And it did it actually perforate with your mom? So she had the peritonitis, which is very life-threatening right away. Her dad was, we knew he had cancer at that time. He He was in the hospital having some complications. They were both in Kettering Hospital, a couple of floors apart from each other. Due to constraints of certain things, I couldn't be with her. She got over there and was trying to help both of them once. Mom's on one floor, dad's on the other floor, both of them not doing well. And then a tornado warning hit. You have to understand, my wife is not a big fan of violent storms. I did I understate that pretty well? And uh, that, that's, you know, I've, more than once at night she's waking, she said, There's a big storm happening. And I'm like, I didn't know, it. I was asleep. think we ought to get the dogs take them in the basement. We've done that before. It's kind of funny. (laughs) So far, she's not talking me into getting the chickens. (laughs) But this tornado warning was so severe there in Kettering that they were taking the patients out of the rooms into the hallways. So then that happened. And then when finally things settled down enough, she was going over to her mom and dad's house because she was staying over there to go back the next day. And as she was driving, the windshield wipers quit working on our vehicle. So it was a blessing of a day. Amen. And uh, this all had just happened. And we went to Frisch's on the Sunday. Then we went between services. And there's this gal we know and, and that worked there and such. And, and she asked. It seemed like she was actually interested. And she saw my wife was not sitting there boohooing and stuff. But she said, Said something along the fact, he looked a little down or something. This man, she goes, Are you all right? What's going on? And, and my wife didn't go into all the detail, but she said, Well, my my mom's very, very ill. My dad has cancer right now. He's dealing with both of them. And i never forget the server. She looks at my wife, she goes, Oh, well, you wouldn't believe the week I've had. And she went on flitting around about stuff that literally was about the seriousness of an ingrown toenail. And, uh, I just... You said, what did you say? Nothing. It was the only way I could be charitable. Um, that's what it talks about living unto yourself. Is that self-absorbed... All that matters is what's happening with you. Do you know when someone has had a very serious illness or injury, one of the ways you can tell when they're actually starting to get a little bit better, and I'm talking about somebody who really has had some type of illness or injury... They're in the hospital, they've been under severe, you know, uh, the the care for a severe uh, situation. One of the first indicators that they're starting to get better, and I know there's certain things in the vital signs and that, but as far as emotionally, is about the first time they ask somebody, how are you? Or inquire about something that's going on outside of that hospital room. Now, I'm not sitting in the judgment of the folks that are that sick and have that much going on. I mean, that's it. Their entire life energy at that point. The best they can do is they're just focused on moment by moment. But one of the signs they're getting healthier is when they're, oh, how are things there? Is it a nice day out today? Hey, let me ask you about so-and-so. How are they doing? That is a sign that they're starting to get back to strength. Always is. It's the same way spiritually. When someone just lives like this, well, this one's in in that, and then they were not think. When that's all they're doing, they're living unto themselves. Let's look at the verse again with it, and I'll show you this thing about the the new position of the new creature because some things change. It says that it judge if one died for all. The end of verse fourteen. Then we're all dead. Verse fifteen. There's there's the conclusion comes from that. And, and that He died for all that they which live should not henceforth from this point forward once they, they know that Christ died for them should not henceforth live unto themselves but unto Him which rose again. Who, which died for them and rose again. In other words, His death for us should birth in us a gratitude for what He did, die in our place and raise it. And so what happens is, from henceforth, this is the nature of the new creature, looks at things differently and says, oh, wait a minute, there's a different reason for living. And I may be employed at the same place. I may go about the same schedule. I may know the same people. But there's a different focus in what I'm doing now because I'm not living unto myself, but I want to live unto Him that died for me and rose again. That's the new creature. That's the, that's the nature of the new creature. I'm looking forward, uh, not this coming Sunday, but the Sunday after, our, our, our Sunday School and Adult Bible classes. Boy, I hope you take advantage of the good Bible teaching we have. But the, uh, on, on our, our classes, uh, we're going to be learning some things about Naaman. Some of you know something about that fellow Naaman. But one of the amazing things about him is when we study in the Bible this time, we're going to be looking at the fact that Naaman, once he came to know the true and living God, even though he was a Syrian, he was very high up in a heathen nation, he immediately understood that knowing the living God had implications about the way He was supposed to live. And I'll tell you, it's a great Bible study. We're going to enjoy it. But look back here at this, if you will. He said, and it, which died for them, In it again verse 16, it talks about how we knew Christ, or how they knew Christ after the flesh, but now not after the flesh. In other words, it was deeper than just that. It wasn't just surface anymore. Um, it's not just a... Physical understanding. It's a spiritual understanding as well. Then verse 17, therefore, reaches conclusion with this. If any man be in Christ, now we, we get in Christ by faith. Bible says we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. So I'm placed in Christ by faith. Now watch it. If any man be in Christ, anybody, Hey, that'd be any of y'all, wouldn't it? Any man be? And you understand, ladies, that goes for you too. That's all of mankind, all right? If any man be in Christ, okay, what about him? He is a new creature. Not he's going to become one, but he is. When you got saved, it's not an issue. It's not like, oh, I got saved and I need to become a new creature. No, no, you already are. What growing as a Christian is, is Living like what we are. Living like what we have already become. I, I can live more in the newness of life. My habits, my, my appetites, my, my decisions and such can grow in the Lord. But I can never become any more of a new creature than I was in July of 1980, the day I got saved. Because when I got saved, I passed from death into life. But now these 43 years, I've been learning what that life is. What's it look like? What's it act like? What's the power behind it? What are the opportunities? What are the obligations? These are all parts of of it. Now watch what happens here. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. That's That's a funeral term. They're dead. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now watch this. And all things are of God. Now here's a great word we're going to run into. Who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. The term reconciliation, to reconcile, means to bring those who were at odds with each other back to a point of acceptance and uh, agreement, accepting one another. You reconcile the differences or the thing that caused the problem have been dealt with. And the Bible says that we were reconciled unto God by Jesus Christ. We were apart from God when Christ came to this earth. It was God extending to man himself. Man couldn't get to him, so he came to man. He lived and showed us what living as a godly man is like. He did that for this time on this earth. Then he literally died as a sacrifice for us. And then he rose, showing us that he has power over death, which the Bible says that mankind is uh, all their lifetime kept in fear and bondage to it. And he showed us that he has power over hell, he has power over sin, and because of that, it says then that he reconciled us. We are now, we have now have access with God. He reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. And then look what happens. Now here's the new position. And hath given to us. Well, who's the us there? I to take a stab at it? I'll be the antecedent of us. Us is a pronoun. Who, who's the us? Pardon? Hey, you've got to talk louder. Those who are saved, Christian people. Those who are talking about there, those who are a new creature. Those who are reconciled to God. And so, what happens is, he said he has committed something to us. So, God reconciles us to himself by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, God coming in the flesh as Jesus Christ is why God can accept us back and not infringe upon his own holiness. And so what happens is, then He has given something to us. So what did He give to us? Look at the end of verse, verse uh, uh, 18. He hath given to us the ministry of what? Reconciliation. Reconciliation. Okay? We say ministry, you tend to think of a position. You tend to think of a position. A pastor, assistant pastor, a missionary, evangelist... Uh, Someone who's some kind of staff member. We tend to think of that, and it's a mistake to think of it that way with the word ministry or to focus it that narrowly. Ministry is, is the ministering or the, the uh, serving the Lord towards others that we get to do as God's people. And it says that He's given something to us. This is a gift. What is the gift God's given to the new creature? He's given us the ministry of Reconciliation. Now, in the context, it's talking about reconciling people to God. Now, I can't die on somebody else's behalf and take care of their sins. I can't can't, uh, be a mediator in the sense of uh, uh, like false teachings about priesthood would teach. I can't do that. What's the ministry of reconciliation? He goes on and explains it here, verse 19. To wit. In other words, here's what that is. To wit, that God was in Christ. So you have Christ is the human form of God. God's in Christ. To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. So, let me see. God was in Christ. Well, if you're saved today, guess who is in you? Jesus Christ. Then look what it says. And hath committed unto us. So we find in verse, we refer, verse 18, it's given to us. It's a gift. And then we find it's committed to us. Something's committed to us. That's a responsibility. This is a responsibility that we need to view as a privilege before God. It says, And he hath committed unto us the... What's it say right there? Look at your Bible. What's it say? The what of reconciliation? The word of reconciliation. So how do we reconcile? How do we have the ministry of reconciliation? It's because we have the word of reconciliation. We are taking God's word. We are taking what God said to people. And we are telling them about the Savior. There's a young man named Corey uh, this morning. I was dropping off a piece of equipment early this morning over in Circleville and and uh, I would noticed he was a good worker. He was working when I picked up the equipment yesterday. He was just—he uh, was just in that. Had a good, good uh, um, 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 personality. His work—he was just very diligent with everything. He's somebody you all love to steal for your company, truthfully. Uh, but he's a—he uh, just good worker and very upbeat, very energetic. I was watching. He's very thorough with stuff. Big old tall boy. And uh, anyway. I, I took the equipment back, and we offloaded a piece of equipment off the back of my truck, and I went and grabbed Bless Promise out of my glove department. I keep, keep some of those in each of my vehicles. And turned around, he was gone already. He went and he was filing paperwork and stuff, so I went in, told him the equipment was back. Came back out, and he was coming around, and I told him, I said, uh, I said, Cory, I said, I love watching how you work. He goes, Thank you, boss. <laughs> I said, I said uh, uh, I said, I really do. I said, I appreciate it. And he goes, he goes, good. He goes, thank you. And then I said, Here, I got something for you. And I start talking to him about the Blessed Promise. And he obviously had to get some other equipment ready and stuff. He's working, so I'm going to take up a bunch of time appropriate to that, being respectful of it. But I told him, I said, Best thing in the world ever happened to me. I said, Somebody told me about Jesus Christ. And he goes, Really? And uh, I, I started out by telling him, I said, When I'm not running around getting muddy with some of your all's equipment, I said, uh, I said, I pastor a church. And so he was interested. We were talking. And I told him, I said, uh, I said best thing in the world happened. I said, and somebody came clear out on the hay wagon and told me. And uh, he said, that's awesome. And we talked and I showed him some of the, how, you know, the blessed promise works. I always do that with people. You know, here's the subjects and it's just Bible verses. He goes, that is cool. I said, well, like you come out of church. And He goes, that's awesome. He goes, you have evening service and stuff too. I said, yeah. And so he goes, all right. Like that fist bumping. His hand about like fist bumping you, Brother Keith. I looked at that. He's big. Um, But the... uh, He said, what is it? God's committed the word of reconciliation. See, I didn't have time get in all detail of the witness and like I love to be able to develop something with somebody. He's working, he's busy, He need to get that next piece of equipment. He's so on the boss's time. But I can I can say a word about that's thing in the world's happening with Jesus Christ. I can put Jesus out there in a positive light and, and tell him about this. I can put I can put some scripture in his hand. Why? That's the word of reconciliation. See, I don't know Corey's situation. He may know the Lord. He may I, I don't know it all, but I do know this. I do know that if he doesn't know God, the way he's reconciled to God is through Jesus Christ. And I have the word that can tell him about that. You do too, by the way. Isn't that neat? And so what happens as a new creature, I have a gift given to me, the ministry of reconciliation. You said that's because you're a preacher. No, that's because I'm a Christian. And I have the word of reconciliation. I get to do this, but wait a minute. The, uh, I almost said that's not all. Some of you old times appreciate it. I felt like a Ronco commercial getting ready to have right there. Um, <laughs> so you're old enough to remember that. But anyway, the, uh, <laughs> uh, sorry about that. It, um, but then I also have the word committed. But you say, preacher, what's this thing then about the new position? Okay, what's the new position? Well, that's, that's in the next verse. Now then. Remember I told you three times in two verses this passage starts out from henceforth. From this point, from hence, from now. Forth. Going forward. Three times. Now look at the phrase in this. Now then. Okay, so where are we now? Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. That's going to mean more to you in just a moment because I I looked it up. I studied it out through the Bible. And I found the clearest expression of everything you're taught about this, I found in Webster's 1828 Dictionary. It, it absolutely, uh, Mr. Noah Webster put it together just perfectly for the way it fits in the Bible with that. And I'm going to read that to you in just a minute. But it says, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ on His behalf. Why? Because Jesus is not, Jesus was not at the Dinahoe rental place in Circleville this morning. And he wasn't wherever you were today. You were. But here's the thing about it if you're saved, then he was there in you. All right? Now, watch this. Now, then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you. Well, that's a strong word. By us. Hold on. You ever think about that way? God's beseeching people by you? We pray you in Christ's stead. We're not supplanting Christ. We're not trying to usurp Him. We're saying He's not physically here to do this. He's committed this to us. And so we're going to do this in His stead. Because according to what we understand in the Bible, here's the message and here's why He came. I mean, it's not debatable. Jesus said, I am come to seek And to save that which was lost, we never have to wonder why He came. He said, for this end came I into the world. What was He talking about there? His crucifixion and His resurrection. It's not debatable that the Bible teaches that the purpose why Jesus came was to reconcile us to God. But what happens is then, we are beseeching others as if God was beseeching them. It says, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Now, listen to this thing. It says an ambassador. It's kind of interesting. How many of you know that word? I'm not going to ask you a definition. You know that word. That's familiar. We have ambassadors, don't we? Our nation does. Other nations do. Anybody know the smallest nation with ambassadors? Vatican City. It has ambassadors from there. That's a whole different can of worms I could open up for you on that one, why that is. But it's... Uh, anyway, this, the ambassadors. What is this thing with ambassadors? Listen to this statement because when I look through where it's used in the Bible, and it talks about ambassadors from different nations to each other throughout the Old Testament, from uh, Babylon coming in to visit with Hezekiah and with different people in different, uh, different uh, countries. But then this ambassadors for Christ, what's it talking about? This definition... Absolutely, Alyssa tells you just right on target what it is. It's kind of neat because 1828, um, Noah Webster, he favored the spelling E-M-B-A-S-S-A-D-O-R. And you know where ambassadors live, you know what it's called, don't you? We're an ambas- it's called an embassy. And it was ambassador was the way he did it. And he said, I prefer this because it's more technically correct. But anyway, uh, the ambassador, a, here's what we became, okay? We, we were lost. We became a new creature. Now, now what, what is our new position? An ambassador is a minister of the highest rank employed by one prince or state at the court of another to manage the public concerns of his own prince or state and representing the power and dignity of his sovereign. That's powerful. Now it's hard to take it in when you're hearing it more than if you're looking at it. So forgive me, I'm going to read through it again. I want you you to be able to get it. That's a lot to take in when you're just getting it verbally. It's a minister of the highest rank employed by one prince or state at the court of another to manage the public concerns of his own prince or state and representing the power and dignity of his sovereign. That ambassador doesn't go on his own agenda. He doesn't choose his own response. He isn't allowed to get angry if something upsets him without approval from his government or his, the leader of the king, whatever the situation is, saying, this is how you respond this is not only what you say, but this is how you say it. Why? Because an ambassador mishandling that can start a war, can shut down significant trade situations, can cause there to be a separation of nations that don't need to be there, or can foster an alliance that shouldn't be there. And so what happens, he's representing... The dignity, I love the phrasing, he's representing the power and dignity of his sovereign. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ is our sovereign. And Jesus said, ye shall be witnesses unto me. One of our men in our church here was asking me, someone they were talking to at work and was trying to ask me, he said, here's kind of what I'm dealing with. Here's kind of what the reaction is to things and stuff can you give me some verses that will help me specifically with this? And I said, no, not actually. I said, uh, I said, let me give you what will actually help you. And uh, it's okay, what's that? And I said, Jesus said, you shall be witnesses unto me. I said, don't try to analyze what you think that person is and try to come up with almost a... Uh, Counseling type idea of what, how you want to approach them, talk to them about why Jesus came and who he is and what he accomplished and why he was here. Be a witness unto him. And it was neat because I talked to them, the light came on, they go, Oh, I can use that. I said, Yeah, and now if you understand that, then you'll get led to verses that apply to your particular situation. If I'm witnessing to Trey, of course, I need to have sense of, I'll ask questions if we get to have a conversation. Like the young man I mentioned this morning, we don't time for a conversation. had time to talk, I would find out and I would kind of get an idea how much Bible he may or may not know, what kind of background he has, because that helps me know where to start. The Bible says witnessing is teaching. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. That is the term that's used. And if you're going to teach, you have to know where your students are when you're, you're going to introduce the subject. And so I, I need to know this. If I'm talking to Trey, uh, I, I was thinking about there, were, there was a couple that got saved and baptized here. They, they've moved now. Uh, but Andrew and Paige, some of you remember them. And I remember both of them independently when I witnessed each of them independently. I, I had been talking to them. We'd built a little bit of a relationship. And I said, okay. I said, I, I want to explain this to you. I said, how much, how much Bible do you know? You've been around much Bible? Both of them at separate times. In fact, Andrew laughed when Paige said it because he had said the same thing when she wasn't there a few days before. Um, They both looked at me and said, assume I don't know anything and you'll be pretty close. I thought that was great. What a great place to start. And so I'm not talking about not having that kind of discernment. But I don't need to psychoanalyze him. You know, well, let me tell you what your need is. Let me let you understand what you need. First of all, that's strife. And say, "Okay, about the best thing I found out. And you may already know this, but when I found out why Jesus came to this earth, that we needed it, that He came because we're lost and we can't get to God on our own, that He perfectly did what He came to do, and I'll just talk to Him that way, and I'll intermix verses and I go with it. I have no problem at all. Sometimes I'll open a Bible and I'll go through certain verses. It's important person you're talking to, the you talk you, but the whole time." Focus focuses on witnesses unto Him. This is the idea of being an ambassador. We are representing our sovereign. But that also means the way we conduct ourselves towards people. And the way that we deal with people needs to represent accurately what Christ is like. You know? It's a sad and funny story at the same time that actually happened. Brother Dan, I think you may be familiar with this, so I can't remember which preacher did it, but there was a uh, fellow, he was just knocking doors. They were kind of working down a place that had sort of like uh, condominium type places, where two stories, front and back, to the same place. And it was a traveling preacher. I thought it might have been Curtis Hudson, but I'm not sure about that. Um, he, anyway, he was with a local pastor, and the pastor said, Could you go out witnessing with me? And I'm having some trouble reaching people, could you just go with me and give me some input? And so they knocked on a door, and when they did, a lady came to the door, and she had some little clothing on. It was embarrassing to have her come there, and you know, avert the eyes. And and uh, this pastor of the church said, uh, "I'll tell you what, if you go get some clothes, I'm going to tell you about Jesus." You can imagine what the response was. Bang! Whoever the preacher was took off running, went around behind that building to the back door of that same house. Not, not the pastor, but the other fellow. Knocked on that door. The lady came there and she jerks that door open. And before she could say anything, he said, I gotta warn you about something. And she goes, What? He said, there's a crazy man loose in your neighborhood insulting people. (laughs) And that's what she did. She started laughing. They got to talk to her. Before it was over, they were able to talk and present the Gospel to her. What happened? Both men may have been presenting the same truth. Both men may have been coming and neither one could have scripturally shown her something that was true scripturally. But one was being a better ambassador for the one they were representing than the other was. And so what happens with this, look at it, and, and we're almost done here. Now then we are ambassadors. Now we're ambassadors. Why? Because of a new creature. And the new creature has a new position. I am now an ambassador. I went from being a slave to an ambassador. That's pretty awesome. And then... Verse 20, I'll just read it again. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Because we have the word of reconciliation, we have the ministry of reconciliation. And when I was studying this here for the church and it felt last week when I, when I read this, I knew I was supposed to give you this passage for this Wednesday. Um, in fact, it was last Wednesday I was preparing to go over to Calvary. I got this for this church this Wednesday. And looking at this, Verse 21, I got more light on something in this scripture than I've had before. Perhaps you were already there. But look at what it says. I know this verse. I quote this verse. It says, For he hath made him, Christ, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And that's always puzzled me somewhat, Brother Trey. We've made the righteousness of God. I know we're made righteous in God's eyes because of Christ, but that's not what that phrase says. It says we are made the righteousness of God. i look at that and going, I don't think I quite get this. And I've done that for a while. But then when I was looking at how it's all laid out here, Brother Rama, and seeing it, I thought, wait a minute, that's not separated from these previous verses. It's talking about being ambassadors and it's talking about us having the ministry of reconciliation. And I caught it then, what it was talking about. Look in Romans chapter 5. Don't lose your place here, but look in Romans chapter 5. And I'm like, oh, I at least understand some of it now. How are we made the righteousness of God? How how do we become the righteousness of God? What's that about? And it's in context with us being made ambassadors, having ministry of reconciliation, having the word of reconciliation committed to us. Romans chapter 5 And look, if you will, please, in verse 16. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which have received abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. So you say, okay, preacher, how's that tied together? Very simply with this. The righteousness of God is revealed in Jesus Christ. Okay? Okay. And when the righteousness of God is revealed through Jesus Christ, that is the word of reconciliation. It's being given to us. Um, The word of reconciliation is is the word of, of how righteous Christ is. And when that righteousness is in us, and we're speaking of it, we are made the righteousness of God. We are made to be that vehicle for God's righteousness to get to the people with that. Um, I'm thinking of also a passage in... Uh, let's see. Let me find them here. Hold on a second. 2 Corinthians 5, back where we were. Look what it, the way it's phrased there. He had, That we might be made the righteousness of God... In Him. Um, you also have the passage... Let's see if I can find it real quick. Running off my, my memory on that one. The other one I had marked for it. I'll tell you what I'm looking for. And it'll make it maybe even more clear to you. Um, scripture says, the, uh, Therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. For it is written, The just shall live by faith. I love it. Everybody's looking like I am right now. Help me with that. It popped up in my brain, and I think it matches well in here. And I quoted quote it here to you, but I'd like you to see it. If we can find it. Are we good? Brother Robin will get $5, the first person finds it. His <laughs> eyes are big. I am. And, uh, okay, maybe not. Probably. Brian, do what? Are we allowed to use Google? Are we allowed to use Google? He's going to make sure he gets there first. I don't blame him at all. Uh, uh, let's see if that's it. Because the, the one I read to you, it, you deal with the, the righteousness. The offense came by one man. See, that matches the early part of what we're reading in 1 Corinthians 5. We judge that if one died, then we're all dead. And then the... Because that offense comes by one man, then righteousness comes by Jesus Christ. Well, Christ is in us with that. Look in. Yeah, that's what i look for. Thank you. All right. See, see, see Brother Robin afterwards with that. Right. Uh, verse 16, Romans 1 verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. You'll see how this, this is speaking out that righteousness of God. For it, the gospel of Christ, is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. And so when you take what it says in Romans chapter 5 about... By one man the offense came; by one man justification came. It's through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's that word of reconciliation. It matches exactly what uh, 2 Corinthians five is talking about. And then you go over and you deal with the the, uh, the gospel, not being ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it it is the it shows that man is justified by faith, and that's the word which is committed to us. So I don't have a complete understanding of it. But I do know this. He hath made Him to be sin for us. He suffered the wrath against sin. He suffered the punishment against sin. He became sin for us. He became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Now He's not here, so He's committed to us that word of reconciliation and that righteousness of God. That righteousness of God is God reaching out to people, To bring them back to himself. And that word is committed to us. And we get to take it. So what happens is, you're a new creature if you're in Christ. Hey, you're a new creature. And it's it's neat, it's perpetually new. So I've been saved a lot of years, but you're a new creature. Oh, I understand. We as humans cannot sustain an emotional level for any length of time, hardly at all. Any outside stimuli loses its effect on us after a while or it diminishes. Someone says, Well, I just want to recapture all the old feelings. That's really unlikely in most scenarios. Sustaining a certain level of emotional level is also very, very hard. But there's literally a newness that perpetuates. As a new creature. And what I think's neat about it, I need a different type of newness where I am right now in life than I did that initial newness when I was fifteen. And that newness grows with what the need is. And it's very, very much adapted by the Lord for what our day-by-day day need is. Hey, you're saved tonight, you're an ambassador. You are a minister of the highest order and you represent the dignity and the power of your sovereign in the court of another. There's the God of this world and there is the prince and powers of this world. But we're representing God and we're here to represent Him. That's why He left us here. But you didn't know that, huh? So I says, what are you? What do you do? You just tell them I'm an ambassador. Amen? And, uh, and you'll be right if you're being one. Now, wouldn't it be a shame to be an ambassador and not, not give the message you were sent to get? Do you know you want a blessing sometime? You read in the Bible about the blessings on a faithful messenger. And that can be talking about just messenger from people to people. You'd look at the blessing God puts on a faithful messenger. And the sobriety is, look at what God says about unfaithful messengers. Ones that either change or don't deliver the message. And so, may God help us to be faithful messengers and do what we ought to do. Let me pray with you tonight, All right, Father, thank you for your people. It has been a pleasure to be in your house and to think about these things from the Word of God. God help, I want to be an ambassador for you. Lord, I think about Brother Paul there. He said he was an ambassador in bonds. Even though he was in jail, Lord, he was still being an ambassador. Lord, I pray that You'll help us to be ambassadors wherever we go, whatever we're doing. May we properly represent You. I ask in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together, please. A song invitation. I'm going to invite you to do something. Would you just tell God, I'm I'm willing to step into the responsibility of being an ambassador. Ask him to help you with that. Open the door of opportunity and, and you go through it. Maybe there's somebody came to your mind or a situation came to your mind and you're thinking, yeah, I could represent the Lord there. Why don't you ask God to give you guidance on that? a song invitation. Why don't you come tonight to this web place? good ambassador knows the nature of the country they're dealing with knows the nature of what's in front of them, what they're dealing with, but always maintains the representation of the one who sent them. Good witness for Christ does the same thing. They pay attention to who they're talking to use some wisdom, sense discernment. But they're always just seeking to clearly represent the one who in them.